Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, Hyphen Post, joined with Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I'm Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Wonkins. Hi, I'm Wonkins, and I'm Wonkins on Tumblr. Devin. Hi, uh, this is Devin. I'm GD Harpo on Tumblr and Twitter. And Darling. Hi, I'm Darling, and I'm Darling of the Westlands on Tumblr. Welcome all. And lots back. back. All right. <laughs> so glad you guys could have me back for this fun-filled episode. <laughs> well, what, something exciting happened? It's the red wedding, y'all. Oh. <laughs> that y'all's for Eon. And I know, like, we're supposed to be all, like, depressed and somber because it is the red wedding and that would be the appropriate mood to set. But I refuse. I'm really thrilled and excited to be back. Oh. So this is going to be a really chipper red wedding episode on my part anyway. Happy <laughs> red wedding. <laughs> the red is for love. <laughs> okay, so spoiler alert. <laughs> um, a lot of people die in this chapter, and you would know that if you read the books. So we are spoiling the Song of uh, Song of Ice and Fire books as well. The show, I guess, we have to throw that in there. And uh, let's, let's just get right into it. <clears throat> okay, um, so we have Catelyn, and uh, she's at a shitty wedding with shitty music and shitty food. And to top it all off, she has a pounding headache. Um, Kat spends a great deal of time observing on how the people smell and what they are eating and how much they are eating. And uh, I'm just going to do a little short excerpt here. Poor Oslin's smile had a fixed quality to it, as if someone had sewn it onto her face. Well, she is a maid wedded, but the bedding's yet to come. No doubt she's as terrified as I was. Rob was seated between Alex Frey and Fairwalda, two of the more nubile Frey maidens. At the wedding feast, I hope you will not refuse to dance with my daughters, Walder Frey had said. It would please an old man's heart. His heart should be well pleased, then. Rob had done his duty like a king. He had danced with each of the girls, with Edmer's bride and the eighth lady Frey, with the widow Amy and Roose Bolton's wife Fat Walda, with the pimply twins Sarah and Sarah, even with Sheree, Lord Walder's youngest. He must have been all of six. Catelyn wondered whether the Lord of the Crossing would be satisfied, or if he would find cause for complaint and in all the da- other daughters and granddaughters who had not had a turn with the king. Your sisters dance very well, she said to Sir Raymond Frey, trying to be pleasant. And the reason why I picked this passage out is because, I mean, with I think with this chapter, you tend to read it and you look for all the clues that you missed, of course, that you wouldn't have noticed the first time, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought thought of Rosslyn. Like, I didn't really put much thought into it prior, but did she know? Was she in on it? She must have been, right? Because we keep getting these callbacks to how, I guess, she's not very pleased. <laughs> she's not, you know, a joyful bride. Yeah, I think I, she knew. Um, yeah. I think I she mean, probably had some inkling that something 
awful was going to happen. She probably didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I'm sure she had a feeling something awful was about to, was on, on the rise. I mean, her brothers knew and they left, you know, Perwin and Oliver aren't there. So it's, you know, you could assume maybe she knows. Yeah. I, I, I go ahead. Sorry, darling. Oh. oh no, sorry, I wasn't going. To, oh well, it just does make you think how much the other women knew as well, because all of them seemed to make a swift exit during the bedding. And I agree with you. I think Rosalind did just she couldn't pass off those tears as tears of joy. She was obviously really, really scared, and we saw that. But I just wonder if any of the other ladies of uh, the Frey court knew about it. Well, they were just super eager to see that trout between Edmund's legs. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I think I think she knew. I'm going to say she was 100% in on it. And I, I guess I was kind of looking for it this time around. And I just think that's it's appalling to think of having to sit through something like that, having just been newly married and to be able to do something like that. Like, that's just a whole other level. Well, and then yeah. Kathleen's also mentioning how awful the, the musicians are. But can you imagine trying to play a lute while you're sitting on a crossbow? I mean, <laughs> all I am now. <laughs> so we have um Kat who observes that Walder has served crap food, but he's been quite liberal with the wine. And uh, Lady Walda Bolton makes small talk with Catelyn, and we get the lovely story of how she was chosen to be Roose's bride. <laughs> Catelyn wonders if there was ever a wedding less joyful. She can't wait until they are on their way and Rob is back on the battlefield. He's been winning them all, after all. I was like, what are you such a dick, George? <laughs> it's kind of that that bait and switch, right? And he's still giving you the good feelings, like, this will be over and we'll go on to winning. Yeah, it is. It's constantly littered with that, like, the worst will be over a few hours and it's going to be done. And, like, at this point, you feel like the only punishment really could be that, like, the feast is really, really bad. They have to eat terrible food. They have to listen to terrible music. But, yeah, eventually you cotton on to know that there's more to come, which is much, much worse than, like, jellied lamb's brains or whatever whatever they're Although, eating. Ugh. Honestly, jellied brains sound pretty terrible, though. <laughs> yeah. I can lie. So I we... like this, the claustrophobic sense that he creates here, too, with, you know, all these sweaty, smelly bodies crammed into the, you know, crammed in the, into the one hall, too. Like, he just creates that. It's really easy to envision, to envision this place. Yeah, it was, he did a great job of painting a shitty, shitty atmosphere, shitty wedding. <laughs> <laughs> So we learn that Grey Wynn has also been, um, well, he's been kept outside, and uh, Walder made it clear he didn't trust the beast, and Rob didn't like it, but he complied. Um, the Great John is enjoying the booze and singing loudly, although not to any of the songs that are actually playing. <laughs> Bruce takes off to pee, and Rob takes his seat. Rob makes small talk, um with Sir Ryman and then asks his mother to dance. She refuses. Catelyn asks Sir Ryman about his cousin, the singer Alessander. He won't be singing for them this evening. He's away. And again, it's just one of those things where you're kind of picking up on all these like people who are absent, right? Did Mm -hmm. anyone have an inkling reading this the first time that something was awry or did you just brush it off? I was spoiled by the show, so... 
Me, yeah, too. me too. Damn it. Do we have I, any like yeah. book reader? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just rushed it off. I didn't think anything was happening. Um, like I just, I just thought it would be a shitty wedding. That was it. And like Catelyn was thinking tomorrow we'll be in battle somewhere else. So, but yeah, I did not see it coming. I got to ask, what was your reaction like upon completion? <laughs> I feel like the first time I read it, like I thought, oh, this is a dream she, she's having. Like I was, I was just, I was just in denial about it. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like I was, I, oh golly, it was, it was bad. Like I was like, yeah, she was definitely having a dream. And then I get to Arya's chapter, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like, like this is real. And like, especially there at the end, um, like because I'm having to, like I had to read like some lines two or three times like, I was like like is like is this really happening and but yeah I was oh I was completely called apart by and very upset about it. Uh, I was mad. And yeah. I was surprised but um ever since Ned died in the first book I've been resigned for the worst possible outcomes like at all times. So I, like even though I was surprised I wasn't like completely taken aback i was like yeah all right yeah this is this is a song of ice and fire where the worst possible thing is going to happen so let's read the next chapter (laughs) and see um ned's death made me think that he wouldn't do it again like surely rob's not gonna die now like so so that's why i was like yes this is gonna be fine that's what it was about right this is the redemption now (laughs) yeah exactly like oldest son takes over and fixes like he writes all the wrongs so uh but if 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 Rob was such uh, if Rob was like that, as you said, then he would have been the POV chapter. I think that the fact that it was a that we would have been following Cat all the way up to this point was a real um, sign for me that Rob is not the main character that's going to survive with the plot armor. Like you know, what I'm saying like it, yeah. it already kind of like given me a sign at this point that like Rob's um, this this. this dispensable how about you darling was your um were you book reader first or did you watch it on the show no i was spoiled by the show first so um if anything i was really hypersensitive to picking up all of the clues as i was going along and um but it didn't make the end any better for me i still threw my book away and it still felt (laughs) so raw like i was going over it again um because there was even though i feel like they they executed in the show so wonderfully and so much of the dialogue is very very similar um just the little details like ned loves my hair that line that Mm -hmm. breaks me every time i read it and um even though I was spoiled, I didn't think it made it any easier on me when it actually came to reading it in the books. So, oh, it was horrible. Both times around. Yeah. And Guile, you were you were show watcher first too, right? Yeah, so I don't... You know, it's just it's a different experience reading it. Um, you know, it's so, when you think of like the way the Red Wedding was on the show, you know, the first half of it was kind of funny. And it was, you know, sort of fun, and then it all turns to hell. And here, you know, it's like straight from the from the beginning. It's just so dreadful. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to, you know, just really see the differences between them. Mm-hmm. I know I started reading these right after season two. So, and then also I kind of got spoilers from online, from the internet. So I knew that 
she was going to die somehow. I knew she was dying, but I didn't know it was going to happen right then and there. So whenever I read it, I was I was mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I was pissed. I, I have had my Kindle and I'm reading it and I'm wanting to throw it. But then I'm also like, I can't throw it because I don't want it to break. <laughs> so, you know, I was so mad. I was pissed. <laughs> I, and I'm a freak who just I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the gore, the violence, the deceit. It was great storytelling. <laughs> but I'm a freak. Okay, where did I leave off? Okay, so we have a cat observing Rob dancing with Daisy Mormont, who is as graceful on the dance floor as she is in the training yard. And uh, Walder interrupts the party to announce it's time for the betting. A sword needs a sheath. Heh. <laughs> And a wedding needs a betting. <laughs> gross, 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 gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rosalind the bride turns white, um, making Catelyn recall her own wedding night. And I'm just going to read a tiny little bit. Catelyn wondered whether it was the prospect of losing her maidenhead that frightened the girl or the betting itself. With so many siblings, she was not like to be a stranger to the custom, but it was different when you were the one being bedded. On Catelyn's own wedding night, Jory Castle had torn her gown in his haste to get her out of it, and drunken Desmond Grell kept apologizing for every body joke, only to make another. When Lord Dustin had beheld her naked, he told Ned that her breasts were enough to make him wish he'd never been weaned. <laughs> and somewhere, like, Barbary Dustin somehow knows about this and is still really pissed about it. <laughs> Poor man, she thought. He had ridden south with Ned, never to return. Catelyn wondered how many of the men here tonight would be dead before the year was done. Too many, I fear. Uh-huh. <laughs> you be right. <laughs> Uh, but like, can we just talk about like what a sick ritual this is? Like, it really is. And what Walter Frey said about the sword needing his sheath, and he's talking about his daughter. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, they're a little too familiar with each other. <laughs> uh. Well, and, you know, Kat thinks about, you know, not joining in because, you know, Edmund doesn't want his sour sister around. I'm like, I would sort of feel like, Unless you're Jamie Lannister, you probably don't want your sister, like, stripping you naked anyway. Whether she is jolly or really pissed off. Like, mm, super uncomfortable. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so as the men leave and uh, carry Roslyn, Catelyn notices the girl is crying. She hopes Edmure will be gentle with the girl. She thinks she should be helping, as you mentioned, with Edmure, um, but she's just not into it. Not feeling it. Cat notices Rob has stayed. Notices Rob has stayed behind as well, and wonders if uh, Walder will be uh, taking it as an insult. She also notices a strange exchange between Daisy Mormont and Edwin Frey, who, um, who, my notes are a mess. <laughs> anyway, he pushes his arm away from her violently when she asks him to dance. Catelyn tries to shake her suspicious mind, but uh, Wendell Manderley notices it too and asks if something is amiss. And I have to read this bit. And I think this is the lengthier one, so bear with me. 
She did not answer him. Instead, she went after Edwin Frey. The players in the gallery had finally gotten both king and queen down to their name day suits. With scarcely a moment's respite, they began to play a very different sort of song. No one sang the words, but Catelyn knew the reins of Castamere when she heard it. Edwin was hurrying toward a door. She hurried faster, driven by the music. Six quick strides, and she caught him. And who are you? The proud lord said that I must bow so low. She grabbed Edwin by the arm to turn him and went cold all over when she felt the iron rings beneath his silken sleeve. Catelyn slapped him so hard she broke his lip. Oliver, she thought, and Periwin, Alessander all absent, and Rosslyn wept. Edwin Frey shoved her aside. The music drowned all the other sound, echoing off the walls as if the stones themselves were playing. Rob gave Edwin an angry look and moved to block his way, and staggered suddenly as a quarrel sprouted from his side, just beneath the shoulder. If he screamed, then the sound was swallowed by the pipes and horns and fiddles. Catelyn saw a second bolt pierce his leg, saw him fall up in the galley. gallery. Half the musicians had crossed bows in their hands instead of drums or lutes. She ran toward her son until something punched in the small of her back and the hard stone floor came up to slap her. Rob, she screamed. She saw small John Umber wrestle a table off its trestles. Crossbow bolts thud it into the wood. One, two, three, as he flung it down on top of his king. Robin Flint was ringed by Frey's, their daggers rising and falling. Sir Wendell Manderley rose ponderously to his feet, holding his leg of lamb. A quarrel went in his open mouth and came out the back of his neck. Sir Wendell crashed forward, knocking the table off his trestles and sending cups, flagons, trenchers, platters, turnips, beets, and wine bouncing and spilling and sliding across the floor. Catelyn's back was on fire. I have to reach him. The small John bludgeoned Sir Raymond Frey across the face with a leg of mutton. But when he reached for his sword belt, a crossbow belt drove him to his knees. In a coat of gold or a coat of red, a lion still has claws. She saw Lucas Blackwood cut down by Sir Hawson Frey. One of the vances was hamstrung by Black Walder as he was wrestling with Sir Harris High. And mine are long and sharp, my lord, as long and sharp as yours. The crossbows took Donald Locke, Owen Norrie, and half a dozen more. Young Sir Benfrey had seized Daisy Mormont by the arm, but Catelyn saw her grab up a flagon of wine with her other hand, smash it full in his face, and run for the door. It flew open before she reached it. Sir Raymond Frey pushed into the hall, clad in steel from helm to heel. A dozen Frey men-at-arms packed the doors behind him. They were armed with heavy, long axes. Mercy! Catelyn cried, but horns and drums and clashes of steel smothered her plea. Sir Raymond buried the head of the axe in Daisy's stomach. By then, men were pouring in the door, other doors as well. Mailed men in shaggy fur cloaks with steel in their hands. Northmen, she took them for rescue, for half a heartbeat, till one of them struck the small John's head off with two huge blows of his axe. Hope blew out like a candle in a storm. I mean, it makes me really happy that she gets to hang Rhyme and Frey and feast. Hmm. Or, in, yeah, it's in feast that he's hung. I mean, you, you kind of like. Yeah, sorry, he's not, a, he's not a picture, you're right. <laughs> no, and I hate that Ryman is the one to kill Daisy, who is yeah. just a really great character that we didn't really have the chance to get to know as well as we should have done, and he is just this useless, whoring idiot, and it's he's the weird. one who kills yeah. um, this like amazing like warrior woman when there's so little of them in the story as it is. It's Yeah, it's annoying, but yeah, you know. He uh, 
he gets his just desserts in the end, so it's fine. We think about them, you know, we think of them as a collective a lot, and it's interesting to read this and kind of see the individual actions of some of the phrase and, like, kind of see who we can hate the most. If that sounds, like, absurd, but, you know, again, to, like, merit Frey, you know, he's trying to drink the sm- the great John under the table, and, I mean, he's basically, like, passed out. Or, you know, Peter Pimple, again, another one that Stoneheart gets. I mean, he's passed out before any of it. Not that mm. it absolves them of anything, but it's interesting to see their individual, um, mm-hmm. kind of their individual jobs at the Red Wedding. With yeah, the Northmen with the long axes, would those possibly be Rose's men? Yeah, I think it is because she's relieved, right? When she's she's like, "Yeah, Northmen, thank God," you know. And it's it's Rufus's guys, yeah. Asshole. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, and you know, again, the characters will meet. You know, Lucas Blackwood. Obviously, we meet Titus and and Hoster, and you know i mean the the names don't necessarily mean that much to or you know the mandrelees too you know the names don't necess, necessarily mean that much to us now but then you know in the next two books when we kind of meet their people it's yeah. it's nice to go back and and not nice but i mean it's it's like i mean it's memorial day in a way to like see what happened to them and understand you know what happened to them yeah, because it does seem like we've lost a lot of characters in just one chapter, and a lot of yeah. storylines have just been severed. But you and you feel like there's nothing way, there's nothing, nowhere to go from here. But actually, it is setting up play like um, it will see is setting up storylines that you are going to encounter in feast and in dance as well. So it was fun to reread it and notice that, and again, not to see the phrase as like this just chinless collective and actual individuals, because you learn more about them later on. I just have to say the Chinless Collective sounds like a really great name for a band or something. I don't know, but it has to be something. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that was who was playing in the gallery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not the name they were hired under. Amazing they get so much work. <laughs> so despite the violence, Catelyn spies a dagger on the floor and thinks... You know, she can kill Walder Frey, at least. At least she can do that. And then the table that Rob was um, under shifts and her son struggles to his knees. Walder taunts Rob, and you can hear Grey Wind in the distance. And then Catelyn grabs Jingle Bell by the hair and yells, Enough. Enough, I say. You have repaid betrayal with betrayal. Let it end. When she pressed her dagger to Jingle Bell's throat, the memory of Bran's sick room came back to her with the feel of the steel at her own throat. The drum went boom, doom, boom, doom, boom, doom. Please, she said, he is my son, my first son and my last. Let him go, let him go, and I swear we will forget this. Forget all you've done here. I swear it by the old gods and the new. We we will take no vengeance. Lord Walter peered at her in mistrust. Only a fool would believe such blather. Do you take me for a fool, my lady? I take you for a father. Keep me for a hostage. Edmure as well, if you haven't killed him. But let Rob go. No, Rob's voice was whisper faint. Mother, no. Yes, Rob, get up. Get up and walk out. Please, please, save yourself. If not for me, for Jane. Jane? Rob grabbed the edge of the table and forced himself to stand. Mother, he said. Grey wind. Go to him now, Rob. Walk out of here. Ugh. 
Can any of you read this and not picture Michelle Farley's nope. performance in the no. show? Yeah. <laughs> not at nope. all. It's she's so good in this scene that it's just it just overrides whatever imagination you had already set from the book. Like with her voice going hoarse and, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, as I was reading that, I'm like, I am not doing this justice. Like, I was just thinking of Michelle Fairley in my head the whole time. <sighs> and it's interesting, too, like, in the book, it's Jingle Bell, right? <laughs> like, I, that's, that's reeks of desperation. That, that would be the, the, she thinks would be a good trade-off <laughs> for Walder. Well, I mean, how horrible, I mean, in both cases, in the book and the show, you know, kind of how horrible her last act in you know, her fully human form is, you know, killing a young girl or killing this, you know, mentally disabled old man. Yeah. It's just, you know, her soul is, ugh. She, she's already part dead inside even before she yeah. becomes a zombie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's like the amazing thing of Michelle Fairley's performance is, you know, her scream at the end where it's like, you know, her soul leaves her body in that mm-hmm. moment. And it's just like more than you could have expected an actress to do at that moment, even. So Catelyn presses the knife deeper into Jingle Bell's throat. And she says, on my honor as a Tully, on my honor as a Stark, I will trade you your boy's life for Rob's. Walder flippantly replies, he's only a grandson and was never much use. A man in dark armor and a pale pink cloak thrusts his long sword into Rob's heart with the words, Jamie Lannister sends his regards. Uh. Catelyn keeps her word and slits Jingle Bell's throat. And I'm just going to read this last bit and then we'll do some more discussion. Finally, someone took the knife away from her. The tears burned like vinegar as they ran down her cheeks. Ten fierce ravens were raking her face with sharp talons and tearing off flesh, strips of flesh, leaving deep furrows that ran red with blood. She could taste it on her lips. It hurt so much, she thought, our children, Ned, all our sweet babes, Rickon, Bran, Arya, Sansa, Rob, Rob, please, Ned, please make it stop, make it stop hurting. The white tears and the red ones ran together until her face was torn and tattered, the face that Ned had loved. Catelyn Stark raised her hands and watched the blood run down her long fingers over her wrists beneath the sleeves of her gown. Slow red worms crawled along her arms and under her clothes. It tickles. That made her laugh until she screamed. Mad, someone said. She's lost her wits. And someone else said, make an end. And a hand grabbed her scalp just as she'd done with Jingle Bell. And she thought, no, don't, don't cut my hair. Ned loves my hair. Then the steel was at her throat and its bite was red and cold. (sighs) The end. (laughs) 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 Man, no wonder whenever she does come back, spoiler alert, she's just (laughs) nothing but full of vengeance and bloodlust and yeah i think bran is pretty much fucked right like yeah (laughs) well and jamie too for you know ruse's for ruse's comment which you know obviously george is planting for a reason to make jamie look as responsible for the wed the red wedding as possible why would he say that though like jamie lannister had nothing to do with that why did he say that because jamie said send you know, send Rob my regards, like a ha-ha, I got away, you know, thinking of it in a, you know, ha-ha, I got away. Oh, so he was, if he had seen this, he'd been like, dude, I didn't mean like that, shit. Right, exactly, <laughs> okay. like, that was not the regards I wanted you to send. <laughs> <laughs> the presents got mixed up in the mail, believe me. 
And this guy's just an unnamed Bolton man, right? Oh no, it's Ruth. It uh, well, yeah, she's just it, so it, gone; Ruth? she can't even recognize him as Ruth. Oh, okay. Well, it says a dark armor and pale pink cloak. It doesn't name Ruth. Um, I've I've always read that as Ruth, just like everything's always, just completely. I've she's gone. Yeah. She's he just like literally play. raking her face up. She can't recognize right. anyone. I mean, just a man leaves, in pink cloak. He leaves and puts on his armor to lead his men in. So. Yeah. And the fact that he says Jamie Lannister sends her. Oh yeah. When Jamie yeah. told Bruce that. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. This is why I. This is why I love having the podcast to tell me things that I didn't cool. catch in the, in originally. I mean, she's pretty much going crazy because she just watched her her last born. Her last kid that she thinks is the, the sole survivor of all her family die right in front of her. So she's gone crazy. Well, I mean, she so, knows I mean, Sansa's she's alive. She's not going to even recognize her, apparently. Yeah. yeah that's, oh. for, for me, like, when I read this now, like, even though I know all the Stark children are alive at the moment, it's because I'm in Catelyn's head. I get the, like, I feel like this, this is it. Like, they are all dead. Like, and I know in the back of my mind, like, they're not all dead. But just because of the way she's thinking and everything, like, that all of them are going and this is Rob's the last one, like, I'll always have that thought that, oh, this is it and the Starks are done. And yeah. then I'm like, it's every, every time. I mean, how shitty is George? Like, has he treated a character as bad as Kat? I mean, to kill her, to have her die, thinking all of her children, you know, other than Sansa are dead, and then to, like, not even give her the peace of death, but to resurrect her, like, ugh. And Arya is right outside. Good grief. I know, yeah. in this, this, uh, this part of the book, though, there's the Arya chapter where she's going to the twins, and you think at the end of the chapter that the Hound kills her, because he hits her you with, know, like, the yep. side of his I, axe I thought, or so. I thought she was dead. Yeah, the wording is like, yeah, yeah, the wording is like the axe hit her, or hit the back of her head, right? Like, yeah, so I mean, yeah. you have that, and then you have this. So I mean, it's just like, what the it, fuck? It's a repetition of that time that we saw Arya was was dead at the end of the Ned chapter, where um, the black brother from the Night's Watch over Yorin, yeah, Yorin yeah. holding yeah. a knife to her to her head, and he she's he's going to cut off his hair, but the way the chapter ends, it looks like he's going to kill her. Uh, it remind, reminded me of the, the, the way the axe came at her head. Would remind me of the same thing. Um, but what you, I wanted to mention what you were saying before about torturing Martin, torturing uh, Catelyn, is that uh, her story's not done yet. So you have hope. Uh, she might. There might be some kind of uh, character arc where at the, she has a change of undead heart, and you are become convinced that a monster can feel again, or some. You know, something like that. It's the way you tell a story is you put a man up a th- tree and throw rocks at him, and then at the end you get him down. Right now we're just in the throwing rocks part, and so it, it looks hopeless and terrible because it's a story that takes place in Westeros. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, even if she did, let's say for example, um, you know, let's say we have the scenario of Sansa getting kidnapped out of the Vale and making her way through the Riverlands again. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want Sansa to see her mother like this. Like, I just, ugh, I don't know that there's a good end to it for Kat. Yeah, I don't want her to see any of her children, but I think she's going to. Yeah, and, uh, I don't want to read that. 
no, nobody in A Song of Ice and Fire is going to have a, a happy ending. You shut Some your mouth. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Get out. Maybe. Yes. Like, Some endings do are going to cat. I think Bron is going to have a happy ending. Some some endings may be like satisfying in a bittersweet way because I I always think of how the f- the third book ends because um I I might be wrong about this but I think Martin like originally intended it to only be three books right and so like the, yeah. the way that ends all the characters uh, are in a kind of um sort of ending place like Tyrion is is transitioning from one continent to another continent and so that's like kind of an ending for his arc where he's leaving everything that he's his life in King's Landing and everything, you know, and um, Arya and all the other characters, they're, they're in this transition phase, which feels like an ending of sorts, but none of them are happy at all, but it's, it's still kind of satisfying in wrapping up conclusions for uh, everyone's storylines in, in well, little finger is probably some pretty way happy. or another. Yeah. Oh, good. Sometimes villain <laughs> bully for little finger. <laughs> Ramsey's probably happy. You know, there's like a couple people that are happy. <laughs> horrible people. Maybe yeah, that's the lesson. <laughs> Be horrible. You'll get your happy yeah. ending. <laughs> <sighs> so are we all okay? No. <laughs> I tried my best to make it chipper. God damn it. <laughs> I like it. I'm good. Like this is this is why I read and watch these stories in Westeros is it's not cliche happy endings for everyone. It's more um you know, believable and yeah. you know what I'm saying? I th- it's, it's not trite, it's not trope. I think though, like it, if you're invested in a character, like I think Guile is very much invested in Cat and cares so much about Cat, this has gotta be just horrible for you, Guile. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't necessarily feel that invested in Cat, to be honest. It's more of, you know, there's, like, the sense of, like, justice for a character, and it just feels like, you know, I mean, she kind of started everything by by <laughs> kidnapping Tyrion, but, again, you and know... And made it worse by letting Jamie Lannister go. And, you know, yeah, Rob, you know, Rob backed out of the marriage, but their enemies just... It's not a proportional response, basically. Um, they're just, you know, there's one thing to be pissed, and then there's another thing to, like, destroy the world. Like, that's the difference here. You know, Walder Frey getting Edmure for a son-in-law and getting his daughter to be the Lady of River Run, that is a really big coup for him. And he should have been happy with that. And, you know, he's... He's not. And Roos, you know, Roos has got a rich wife. I don't know. Roos has got a rich wife. He's an undead vampire anyway. Like, what does he really give a shit? <laughs> so That's not canon seems... for any listeners believing this. <laughs> I mean, you canon. did notice he ate very little, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he smelled weird. Like, it's all coming together. I do recall he abstained from garlic that evening. <laughs> <laughs> But but leeches don't normally feed on dead blood, right? Leeches eat, and and he's all about the leeches from that we learned from Arya's chapters. Well, maybe he gives he puts the leeches on other people, and then he eats the leeches, and that's how he's getting human blood. Uh. Okay, so can we like clarify for anybody that doesn't know this crazy theory? Roos is a vampire. Where is this coming from? And varies the mermaid. 
Yeah, <laughs> actually, my favorite is that varies is like three small children standing on each other <laughs> in a trench coat, in a beautiful silken robe <laughs> with those goddamn yeah, slippers. Bolt, I mean, it's the bolt-on theory, it's called. And I mean, obviously, at this point, it's been pretty much debunked. But it's really fun to think about. I think it's just Roos is so dispassionate that he just seems like he doesn't, you know, he seems like he's already dead. Vampire logical choice. Logical conclusion. <laughs> right, right. Extremely logical conclusion. Clearly, <laughs> he is a vampire. Uh, all right. Any parting words for the Red Wedding before we get into the end of episode stuff? I just um, I can go ahead. No, go ahead, Devin. Well, I was just saying this, um, like, I saw y'all did the poll on Twitter about, like, the moment that did you in. What was that for everybody? Like, the moment where, like, during the Red Wedding where you just, like, fuck this. Because for me, it's um, where the line, she had lived too long and Ned was waiting. Oh. That gets me every time. Well, I think I said, for me, it, the moment is when Daisy gets killed Daisy, because it's... Yeah. You think there's that hope and you think, you know, they're not going to kill a woman or you just think there's going to be some escape for someone and there's nothing for anyone. Mm, for me, really- I said it, but Ned loves my hair. Sorry, I'm kidding. Shame. Ned loves my hair. Uh, oh, it's just so sad. I think for me, and I try not to have feelings, but um, <laughs> I have too many feelings. Left, but I'm sorry. I'm too a vampire. Many. <laughs> I think for me, it's um the children. Um, oh, like as a mother, oh, yeah. thinking about your children that just ends you. So, did you guys? Um, I know, darling, and Devin, especially, we talked about um the commentary for the Red Wedding episode. Have you guys had a chance to? To listen to that at all? Yes, I did. Today no, again. I haven't had a chance to yet. But that's the other heartbreaking. Can go back and do. Yeah, I mean, you listen through to the credits because it's you know Richard Madden and Michelle Fairley, and they haven't seen the episode until this point, and so they're crying at the end. Oh my end. gosh, really? It's yes. just yeah. yeah it's the <laughs> credits is what gets me because like they get quiet once because like they literally just can't say anything once it starts happening. But then the credits roll and they're trying to talk and they they can barely can. Oh my god, it's and not great. And it's heartbreaking, you know, on a whole different level too, because it's these actors whose performances you really enjoyed and you know they're gone as well. Yeah. Yeah. No more Comic Con for them. <laughs> or or only Comic Cons, you know. <laughs> I didn't really have a moment that got me because when I read. A song of ice and fire and characters die i'm not i'm never convinced that they are actually dead until they've been dead for several chapters because of the because of that thing that martin does of like aria mm-hmm. took an axe to the head at the end right, of the chapter right. but she yeah. doesn't die so it, it i always wait to actually be convinced that they're dead so that might explain why the red wedding never really hit me so in the heart did you try to else. scan ahead to see if there was another Catelyn? No, chapter? no, I never scanned. I never scanned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then, when he, so, so then, when the epilogue rolls around, were you kind of like, oh, he got me? <laughs> well, okay. So the undead cat thing had already kind of been spoiled for me from some YouTube video of a dude that was like um, explaining the Game of Thrones TV show in a nutshell before I had ever even like read any books. Um, season one was coming out and there was this YouTube video that was like for people who 
aren't watching. This is what Game of Thrones is. And then at the end of the episode, he was like, ask your friends who read the books, what's up with Undead Cat? And I was like, fuck. Oh, so what a chick. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Let's kill him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let's call him out. Where is his YouTube account? We'll get everyone to leave angry nah, comments. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I did have one last thought on the Red Wedding, the way Martin sets it up. It like so I'm the Dungeons and Dragons guy, right? And when I read these stories, uh it always makes me think of how a dungeon master would set up their player characters for the these situations and um it was just so like masterfully crafted and also including um player characters realizing the twist before it happens, but like the dungeon master is still trying to railroad and force it to happen, even though the jig is up. Uh, yeah, because uh, because Martin has experience in playing role playing games, like mm-hmm. even before he started writing these the Song of Ice and Fire stories. And so I'm always trying to think, like, or picture Martin playing in a Song of Ice and Fire role-playing game and then writing it afterwards. <laughs> See, now me, as somebody oh, that's oh, new oh, to yeah. these role-playing games, as a character, like, I'm trying to think, how the fuck do you get out of this situation? Right. <laughs> I don't I don't see any way out of this. <laughs> Maybe take a pee, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the new strategy. Oh. Anytime I'm RPGing, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing I did wonder, though, is, you know, what if Rob or Kat had gone to the bedding? Because we know that some of the people that we explicitly hear of going to the bedding, like um, Mark Piper and, and the great John, they're kept as hostages. So, I mean, Rob probably would have been killed, but, I mean, Kat almost certainly would have been a hostage. Yeah, it didn't make and, much sense to kill her. Like, right. not really. She was much more valuable to them to be kept as a hostage. So, And, you know, what yeah. was the plan if Rob had gone to the bedding? Was it just to, you know, yeah, attack I, him there or capture him or what? I read somewhere um, just before we recorded that the plan was to keep her alive as a hostage. Yeah. But then she went mad and they just put her out of her misery. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, God, can you imagine having to read a POV chapter of hers? As a hostage at the twins after the red wedding. Oh, oh yeah. Right. I, I think if she would have been kept as a hostage, she might have ended up getting killed anyways. Because I don't think she would have been a compliant hostage. I guess. Like I think well, she. Except the like, Lannisters I, would still have Sansa. Yeah. So I, I oh I just can't see like reading a POV of her being a hostage um, or anything like that and. Rob definitely just would have been killed if he goes to the bedding because Cat Cat keeps thinking in the chapter like um, Lord Walter is going to see it as a slight that he didn't go to the bedding that he right. didn't want to see his like she can see him saying you know, he didn't want to see my daughter naked hey nice hey I like it <laughs> God, why didn't Daisy go to the bedding Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, because all the other women went. She's, I think, Kat says she's the only other one left in the well, She hall. was guarding Rob, but she was still. guarding yeah, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't get well, enough, you... Daisy. I'm with you on that one, darling. Mm. Warriors should always go out in a battle, so she had a, a, a warrior's honorable death. Yep. I okay. guess. <laughs> she, she smashed a flagon into a dude's face. That's badass. <laughs> 
Yep, it is. I, I would have liked me more Daisy. <laughs> um, is is this the most devastating like deaths for every like in in a song of ice and fire for everybody, or is it somebody else, some other death? You know the 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 death of uh, Direwolf and um, having to say goodbye to Nymeria kind of affected me more. But that just might be because I like Arya more than Cat or uh, Rob. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, per- go ahead. what's your low point in the series? What's the lowest you feel? Mm. There's so much to I choose mean, from. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's not a death, but it's you know, it's Brienne's last two chapters in Feast. Yes, that's, that's just that's devastating. That's, that's easy, yeah. That's the, the no chance and no choice and the, the way that ends in that fucking puddle and then the, like getting dragged in that boat and being out. Yeah, Brienne's. <laughs> anything with Brienne near her end chapters, pretty much. I kind of, kind of enjoy seeing Brienne getting, you know, because it shows how tough she is being put in those situations and you know that she's going to come out of it still being a badass and but, even... No, we don't. Nobody, <laughs> nobody respects her though. Still, like even I'm not even talking about in the A Song of Ice and Fire universe. I'm talking about broadly, like the readers themselves. Oh, they always shit on Brienne. I care. care. Fuck them. No. Well, I'm currently <laughs> in a fight with a prominent um, A Song of Ice and Fire writer that um, put Brienne in a poll for the best sidekick. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's like she is not a sidekick. <laughs> Fuck that guy, like, whoever. He there is. was a lot of um, there's a lot of controversy about. Well, I mean, a moderate amount of controversy about it this evening. So, um, <laughs> who did they place her as a sidekick to? Cat or Jamie in that? That's awful what I asked. Like, <laughs> who is she a sidekick to? For, sidekick to? for the, Pod? Then what I is mean, Pod? She has a sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> right, like a sidekick doesn't have a sidekick. She's kick. Batman. Oh, God. Goddamn right. <laughs> Terrible poll. Yeah. 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 Um, I know for me the first time I read like the series through and everything, the, it was the most devastating for me was Ned, but it was just because of when I read it. Um, I read it, it was 06 because it was between Deathly Hallows and um, Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows and Dumbledore had just died. Oh, and no. I read this like two months later oh, God. And, and Ned died. And like, I, I, like after he died, I finished the book. He didn't come back. I closed the book and I didn't pick it back up until the show started in what the 2000. Oh my gosh. Whenever it's like yeah. the show was already a couple seasons in before I picked the book back up. But yeah, that like when I first read Ned Dying, I was like, I, I do not like this at all. Oh man. That's and rough. it was just because of that because I just come off Dumbledore and I was like, oh. So I have to tell you, Devin, that I got my sister to read um, the Song of Ice and Fire books and, you know, as she was reading them, I would. Like, oh, who do you like? You know, what do you think? And probably halfway through a Game of Thrones, she was talking about how she really, you know, she was like Littlefinger. She thought maybe he was kind of like Snape. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> you don't no, know. No. <laughs> St- so there's still time. <laughs> oh. I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, I think we've said, said it all. Um, Let's wrap this up. Uh, we have any mail? We have one mail. <laughs> we have one from Kathy from San Antonio and says, Hi, ladies. I don't remember who it who it is who's the big Michael McElli- McElligton fan. I think comma. maybe comma. 
But I hope whoever it is has been watching the National Geographic series Genius about Albert Einstein. Bruce plays an anti-Semitic scientist with a chip on his shoulder, and he's really good, as one might expect. <laughs> I think that might even test commas limits. <laughs> yeah. So some, they're kind of depressing to be described as enjoyable, but your Catlin podcast have been very interesting and, as usual, have made me see events in the chapters differently. Thanks, as always, for the high-quality content and interesting discussions. Thank you oh, for your mail. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. That's all we got. <clears throat> I'm going to go through the spiel here, and let me know if I forget anything. It's been a while. Um, please send us more messages. You can do that at close the door and at gmail.com. Uh, reach us at, t- on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at door podcasts, subscribe and follow like, um, us on all the listening platforms and leave us some reviews, please. Um, support us on Patreon. Um, that always goes a long way to help pay for these, uh, subs- uh, what do you call them? Providers. <laughs> And thank you all for podcasting this episode. Um, Darling, Devin, Wonkins. We did it. We made it. I didn't forget anything. I don't think so. Got all the things. We're on Facebook. Facebook, (laughs) Do we we mention that? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Oh, I know the one I wanted to mention. I don't know if you guys had, but our... um, Podbean website. If you're ever looking to listen to certain um, sections of what we've been covering, like if it's a character chapter or if it's the RPG episodes, they're all divided up on our Podbean site. Um, I don't know what that address is, but you could probably find it. So that's all. <laughs> Those RPG episodes are terrible. I hate them. <laughs> oh. Gee. Who listens to those things? I like them. <laughs> Am I, I listen to them. Thank you. No. <laughs> it was just, a joke. He's looking I, for compliments. Come on, everybody. Watkins, stop it. Oh, They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. I'm closing the door. Get out.